have a dance. Maybe no drive through. Backseat been in Honda. Let's have a little fun, me and you. We can run, we can fly. Welcome back to another episode of The Rundown. We have a special treat for you here today. Uh, we're recording on a Thursday, not our usual Monday, and that is because uh, Runaway has a party in the store on Friday to celebrate the uh, EP release for our friend Tree City, who is here in the studio with me today to talk about the album, talk about the listening party. Patrick, thanks for being here. Hi, it's me, Tree City. I'm a special treat. Uh, so yeah, we're really excited for this. Um, it's been a minute, I think, uh, since you've put out some, uh, oh, I guess a full project. And this is, I guess, just an EP, so not even quite a full project. Um, but nonetheless, we're excited to hear some new music from Patrick. Uh, many of you have probably heard uh, the single Tidal Wave from the EP featuring our boy Ace Henderson, uh, who was... Shout out uh, to Ace. Oh yeah, all the time. Uh, he was on the Super Empty Pod with us a couple weeks ago, so definitely uh, compadre of the brand of the Runaway Podcast Network. Uh, but today, we're going to talk to Patrick about his EP uh, and get ready for tomorrow's listening party. So uh, yeah, Patrick, if you want to maybe give people a little bit of background, I mean, you're uh, an institution in the Durham music scene at this point. You've been around oh, geez. since the beginning uh, and you know through... Dirty Durham, through Party Illegal, uh, you've really put uh, your stamp on the scene here. So, But for people that might be new to your music, maybe give them a little bit about your background as an artist and uh, and what you've been up to. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, I grew up in Durham, uh, went to middle and high school at DSA, shout out DSA, support arts funding, get guns out of schools. Um, and I've been making electronic music since about... 10th grade when I downloaded a, a completely legal copy of Fruity Loops um, legally and like all of us like everyone yeah right. I pay for software yeah um, and it was a hobby for a long time and then about uh, my college years I started thinking about performing live and uh, borrowed uh, SP303 sampler from my friend Cade shout out to Cade Chunky Rice for life and uh, started playing a few shows up at school. And then... Um, Where thought, were you in school? Uh, I was at Carleton College in okay. Northfield, Minnesota. Um, college's cows and contentment is their <laughs> catchphrase of that rural community. And around what time was this to kind of maybe um, give people an idea of what was popular in the electronic music scene at that time? Um, I mean, it was like 2007, okay. 2008. So like justice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, it was like kind of blog house era and I didn't really, I wasn't DJing at that point. I was just a fan of the music yeah. and had been messing around, um, bedroom producer style for, for years. Were they a really. big influence for you? Justice? Justice. I mean, not really on my sound. I really liked the cross album a yeah. bunch. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of influences. I think, you know, if you hear the EP, there are some tracks where, like, 
I could point to like two or three artists and you'd be like, okay, yeah, like I, I hear that yeah. in there. Um, but yeah, about 2008 um, was when I started playing my original stuff out live. Um, and then, you know, graduated college, moved back to Durham. And I think I played my first show as Tree City in January 2009 at um, what was at the time Bull City headquarters uh, for a, a dirty fundraiser party that we did. And where is that? Bull City headquarters? That's, that's before my time. It's like little five points. Oh, I yeah. I think is okay. what they call it. Like Mangum. I mean, it used to be the bike co-op was up there. Um, yeah, like really cool space. And, and, you know, shout out to Bull City headquarters because they were really like the progenitors of a lot of the DIY art stuff that has, you know, kind of set the tone yeah. for Durham art and music. Were they a studio space or a co-working space? What was Bull City It was kind of an arts collective. Okay. They did events. I'm really like not up on my lore enough sure. to, to answer more detailed questions, but they were, you know like a group of creative local folks who were like a couple years older and more established than me and all of my like fresh out of college friends yeah. who wanted to do art stuff in Durham and they the were, elders of the time. Yeah. And they were really cool about sharing resources and, and letting us use that space sometimes for meetings and like to throw this show. Um, I mean, that's Durham, especially back then before downtown became this, you know, bustling, district business district so it really was like people looking out for each other if if someone had space they were like hey let's take full advantage of this space and do you know whatever creative things we can kind of churn out of it and it seemed like dirty durham took that idea and ran with it some over the next few years yeah durham is definitely in my time here had a really strong spirit of collaboration um you know even before we started doing dirty i mean even before bull city headquarters i think if you talk to people who are five ten years older than i am you could find out about there's always been art collectives popping up yeah. in durham and diy spaces and house shows and that kind of thing there's just never really been as far as i can tell like the kind of infrastructure and institutional support to give those kinds of things longevity um which is you know a whole other conversation oh yeah um but yeah, I started playing as Tree City in 2009, and at that point, I only had two E's in the tree. Um, Probably not getting great SEO on Google with only uh, with only two E's. A lot of Tree City knockoffs out there. That yeah, the, see, the thing is, you're not, you, you, you don't really get great SEO with three either because <laughs> it's just like you meant to type that the right way, right? right so right. we're just showing you the two E's because what you typed isn't a word. Um, so you know, this is like important lessons in branding um but yeah what's in a name yeah well so you started playing in 2009 and then over time uh party league or uh, excuse me dirty durham uh, props up you guys have the space here downtown um you know a lot of prominent artists in durham at the time are coming to and from that space um you guys start doing stuff when did, when did Party Illegal start? Because that's kind of when I became familiar with a lot of the DJs, you know, some of your contemporaries like Laura, Queen Please, and and Play Play, and yourself. Um, so kind of how did you get, get from, you know, playing Bull City Headquarters uh, to Party Illegal kind of into the more recent uh, time that we're in now? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. Um, 
we were throwing events as dirty for a while. We had a few different ongoing event series. Um, Jamnesia, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out Jamnesia. Shout out Jamnesia. Dormant but not dead, maybe, allegedly. Just eternally rained out. Just, yeah, exactly. Not not favored by the gods <laughs> from a weather perspective. But um, So, yeah, we did a, a annual music festival in the summer, fall. We did that for six years running. We had a series called Good Choices where um, we created a lineup of five artists. It usually would be like three bands and two DJs and like $5 cover, which looking back on it is an insane business model. Mm. Um, but Dirty was definitely powered by enthusiasm more than business sense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is you're working with artists after all. Right. You know, you have to have a balance, which is why some of these events are past tense. Um, we did a sort of a spring fundraiser thing called Hyper Spring. We did that a few times. I like remember that. Pinhook and yeah. Motorco. So there were a lot of shows that we were throwing that created, you know, in a way, like kind of self-serving opportunities for me to play gigs yeah. and get experience because we were creating, you know, an event and bringing a crowd out. And it was like, oh, we need someone to fill in this DJ spot. And um, I think in 2010, me and Chris Martz did uh, did a back-to-back DJ set. I say that in the loosest sense. <laughs> um, so I did not know how to DJ at that point. I sort of know more now. But yeah, it was You rough. do a great job of faking it. Thank you. That's really the secret to my success is just consistent... Uh, a masquerade. Um, so, and then illegal started with Laura in 2013. I think the first illegal was New Year's 2013. Um, and Were that, you on that bill? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. Um, oh man, I can sort of see the poster in my mind's eye. That was me, Queen Please, Shazad, and maybe Play Play. Okay. Um, the All-Stars. I mean, that's like classic Durham right there. Yeah, that was the pillars of of a lot of parties, mm-hmm. um, definitely from that era. And Illegal kind of came out of... Um, Illegal was definitely Laura's brainchild as far as, you know, coming to Durham from Asheville and wanting to throw a party series yeah. um, with some very specific parameters, which were like trying not to have uh, a homogenous um, crowd or style of music. So, you know, we'd get four performers on a bill and try to go four very different directions musically and crowd-wise. And And the personalities of the performers as well. Yeah, and that influences the people that come. Um, And we really wanted an inclusive space. Right. um, You know, where you're going to be pushed outside of your comfort zone, but everyone is ideally, you know, operating with respect and consent for each other. You know, we had like our consent propaganda posters. And um, And this is all at the pinhook. I mean, the pinhook is legendary for the, uh, you know, the stuff up on the wall, the sayings, the phrases, the imagery, uh, all kind of pushing this idea of inclusiveness um, 
And so it is, you know, it seemed like a great partnership for you guys with the, the type of series you were trying to curate um, being in a place like the Pinhook. Yeah, I don't know if Illegal would have happened um, if the Pinhook wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, was there anything else like Party Illegal at that point? I mean, it seems like you guys filled a pretty nice niche. Um, so uh, Cody was throwing parties at the Pinhook for a while and... Uh, totes codes shout out totes codes and um step down from that slot which is um kind of what created the opening for for a new event series i mean there have been um monthly nights and i think even mm. weekly nights over the course of durham's dance music history but at the time no it didn't really feel like there was something quite in that lane for, yeah. for what we were trying to do at right. least. Um, I mean, I know for me, like I remember you guys and, and rang were like the two places that you could go and dance on a given night in Durham there, you know, thankfully now with, um, you know, with the hotels here and just more spaces in general, more DJs, there's a little bit, uh, you know, the scene is a little more robust, but, but yeah, back then it was like, you were waiting for it was the third Saturday of every month. It was like you you circled that on your calendar every month because that was people were were dying for that kind of atmosphere to go and dance. Yeah, it certainly seemed like there was a demand for it. I mean, the first one that we did, granted it was New Year's, but we had like a line out the door mm -hmm. down the street in front of the pinhook. And I think we were all kind of grateful, but like a little bit blown away that it was that successful right off the jump and then that was kind of like oh wow we got to like keep doing this and right. also step it up right um but yeah i mean now it's like i feel you know even without illegal as a presence on a monthly level um there's just a lot more happening i feel like the dance music community in durham djs like everyone knows each other it's mm -hmm. pretty tightly knit People go to each other's shows. I mean, the floor has been doing amazing stuff. Um, there's like a house meetup that happens at Arcana. There's like a bunch of experimental stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like there are a lot more opportunities to play than there were when I was in like trying to get shows in 2008 or 2009. Yeah, absolutely. I actually played most of my early tree shitty. Ooh, wow. Freudian yeah, pro you know, probably not good branding <laughs> there. With the tree, tree shitty. Tree great, is what <laughs> I meant to say. Uh, yeah, I played most of my early Tree City shows in Greensboro. Okay. Um, places like uh, CFBG, uh, Studio B, um, Friends Basements. Did you have a, you must have had connections out there, I guess. To, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of friends who went to Guilford or UNCG okay. who I either knew from DSA or just from being around Durham. Yeah. And the more I hung out there, the more people that I knew and the more gigs and opportunities opened up. And at that point, I was not really DJing or even really doing stuff with a laptop. It was all samplers, micro -corg, you know, eventually expanded the rig out to include like an eight track mixer and like an outboard compressor and and like a second sampler and all this stuff. Um, and somehow I was really terrible about documenting like any of the music I made during that time. Mm. So there are recordings that I have. Um, but then I also was like looking back at an old um, notebook of just, you know, notes that I would take for shows. Right. Like, okay, for this song, you know, I need to play like 
bank a pad 12 like at this point and I look back on this and read these song titles and I'm like oh man I kind of remember what that sounds like but there's no audio no record of that at all so it's just you know imagine in your mind what that might sound like well thankfully you have uh progressed from that and we have a record of your music um that people who come to the store tomorrow will get a taste of uh we've got the listening party uh tomorrow at seven o'clock i believe Mm -hmm. uh seven to nine uh the crew from roundhouse will be in attendance as well so they'll be uh, if you're familiar with roundhouse and the shows that they do they normally have a a beat carousel with a bunch of uh, alumni and affiliates uh so they'll rock that out for uh, i guess about an hour and then uh and then we'll get into the disco completo uh, EP from Tree City. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're actually going to get uh, a quick sample of one of the songs from the EP called VIP. Uh, so we'll give you a little taste of that and we'll jump right back into it. That was VIP from the upcoming EP from Tree City, Disco Completo. And as we break bread here over a uh, Nutty Buddy uh, and some Ponysaurus beer and some champagne, we got it all. We got the fidget spinner. Uh, we're really in our comfort zone here. We're going to... some good, good audio of this, of this champagne. We even bubble. got the cork popping. So uh, mm. we're going to let... Let me just take a bite of my Nutty Bar real quick. Oh, that's going to be fun for Holland in, in, mm. uh, in post. That's just fun in your ears. Uh, so we're going to get uh, talk a little bit about the album. It's four songs, so pretty quick. Um, but as we mentioned in the intro, uh, Tidal Wave featuring Ace Henderson is out now. If you haven't heard it, you need to go listen to it um, and hear it live tomorrow evening. And you can stream that. You can buy that. You can actually remix that if you go to the band camp for the single. You can inject um, it. I would not recommend that, but you can somehow, probably. Metaphorically? Yeah, into your ear. Um, if you buy the track on Bandcamp, you know, it's a dollar for the single, and you also get the instrumental and the acapella. So, you know, if you want to take a crack at that, I very nice acapella from encourage it. It was, he, he really killed it. And then also a special. Is he the only feature on the album? Yeah. EP. Mm-hmm. I've been calling it an album because it sounds more project. Official. Yeah. Project is good there's a million too. words for these yeah. things now. Uh, super secret special shout out uh, to Nick Sanborn, made of oak, um, for putting his magic touch on on mixing Ace's vocals. Mm. Just like blessed the track and took it to another level. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a great song. Um, yeah, just tell us kind of what you've been up to the last year sort of the process of putting these four tracks together um, and maybe what's next for you as well. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, 
So these four tracks kind of came out of a bunch of random jams and experiments that I was doing um, after, you know, finally setting up um, all of my musical equipment finally mm. again okay. uh, at the place where I was living and getting one of my synthesizers fixed, which had been broken for a long time. Um, and, you know, buying an interface so I could hook all my stuff up and actually record straight into Ableton. Um, and the instrumental for Tidal Wave I'd been sitting on for, I think, at least six months. Okay. I came really close to putting it out as kind of a, like a single with a B-side, like a split between, you know, that on one side and then um, this other still unreleased track. Um, and I sent that to some people. Um, I sent it to my friend Ian Galdi out in LA and he was okay. like, well, these tracks don't really go together and you should get a rapper on the first one. And I was like, okay, that's good. Constructive criticism. And that's uh, what friends are for. Yeah, no, I mean, that's like, that's really hugely valuable. I think to, to me as an artist, but like anyone doing stuff creatively, just like people that will be like, actually, that's not a great idea. I think you should maybe do. It's good to have that in any place in your life. Honestly, definitely. Honest feedback is hard to come by. So, you know, if you, if you have people that give you that, um, you know, thank them. Which is why you should rate and review this show. Quick plug. Please like, and subscribe. Hey guys. (laughs) Cool. So, um, is there anybody maybe in the, uh, in the scene currently, whether it's Durham or internationally, that, um, that you feel like you pulled a significant influence from to make this? Or is this uh, kind of over time just the sound that you've settled on um, and, you know, after years of you know, iteration and kind of going back to the drawing board? Yeah, there are definitely some strong influences on the album. Each track is pretty different stylistically. They're all kind of hover around like a 115, 120 beats per minute, okay. sort of a house feel, but with some some intentional disco flavor in there. Like working with the uh, these vintage synths and trying to play more parts in, um, I started taking keyboard lessons from Jill, who's playing tomorrow. Um, and, you know, I had always drawn stuff in in the piano role, whether it was in FL or Ableton. Um, cause I just didn't really have any keyboard chops. And so mm-hmm. starting to learn my way around a keyboard and chord shapes and like that kind of opened it up to be more of a intuitive and improvisational songwriting process rather than like, let me see if I can draw a chord by like trial and error, like clicking on every note sure. and finding ones that sound good. Um, so I ended up going for a sound that was kind of closer to what a live band might sound like than like a very meticulously layered and produced and like very loud mastered sort of EDM thing, which is to me kind of like the dominant trend in dance music. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of wanted something that felt like more, it was made in someone's basement or, you know, it was like a eight track tape that you dug out of your grandparents attic or something um a track tape i'm not familiar with that that's uh it's archaic ancient technology uh, okay it's a a wax cylinder and you uh no i don't know what it is either actually i came up on burn cds man i don't know anything before that cassette tapes burn cds are archaic now too i know i miss them 
They were so they had so much constraint. I loved that. Fifteen songs, maybe playlists. Now you can have like a million songs. Well, I had the disc man where you could record data discs, so I would put like a hundred tracks on a CD and kind of cheat that way. I think that actually two thousand two life hack. Yeah, no, that was like proto proto Tree City DJing times right there. Is just like making playlists for burn CDs. Um. But yeah, I just started playing around more with like this old gear that had a very specific kind of old but also timeless quality. Mm-hmm. Kind of like these like certain patches from the 70s and 80s and 90s like that were just used so many times or even just like specific sonic qualities of particular pieces of gear are really evocative to me. Like you feel like you're in a John Carpenter movie or something. Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of artists who use that to great effect that I've drawn a lot of influence from, you know, like um, Tycho, um, like really anyone who's kind of going for like the old lo-fi, mm-hmm. you know, comp trues, um, that kind of thing. Um, but I was listening to like a bunch of Caribou and also like Daphne, which is Caribou's, other projects um and just really into how warm and human you can make machine music sound yeah um because like you know listening to like old chicago house records like there are these like anthems that people you know that are like timeless cultural touchstones for people but they weren't like instrumental virtuosos like people weren't like masters of you know all of these instruments and stuff it all kind of felt like to me anyway like someone had gotten a keyboard at a yard sale and was like you know forget the fact that I don't have institutional training or that I'm not like the perfect you know keyboard technique just like making stuff to make stuff and to get a feeling out there. Um, That was a lot of drive for me behind both making the tracks and actually, you know, putting out an album is that I just wanted to kind of document um, the the sort of things that I was feeling and experiencing like emotionally and aesthetically and just get them out there to people. Cause I, I think a lot of people can relate to this. Like it's really, easy and fun to start a project and then you get to that point where it's like no longer living up to the dream expectations you had for it at the beginning and then it's just kind of like this embarrassing like failed child that you're like I don't want to ever show this to anyone but like I have this huge collection of like my terrible unwanted children you know so yeah I had a moment of uh like just feeling like really good creative flow state for a few months and was just cranking out these projects and not really trying to deliberate over them too much, just making stuff to make stuff. A lot of the tracks started as just kind of experiments. Like the last track sanctuary started when I got, um, one of my synths back from this guy who fixed it. Shout out to Mike did a great job. And I was like, I want to make, uh, you know, like a classic Reese baseline, which is like a, a very signature kind of, detuned like pulsing thick bass sound um like you know burial if you listen to burial has a lot of just like really meaty 
moody bases. So I started just making a patch and then was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I'll put a beat on it. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, this sounds like I could chop up a vocal on here and that would be cool. And then it was basically done at that mm-hmm. point. And I had enough of those. Um, I think there was just one day where I, where I realized like, wow, there's like, you know, about four songs that I've been working on for a few weeks to a few months that were at various stages of doneness, but they all sounded like they were made by the same person, which is kind of unusual for me because I have a hard time picking a single style or BPM or mood or anything really. I just like bouncing around. And Which can be refreshing for some people, you know, to have dynamacy from their the artists they listen to. But to your point, it is, um, you know, it is nice to be able to uh, accumulate these songs uh, or these pieces that make up a full project where you feel like, yeah, this all fits together and I can really present this as one thing and not just putting out single after single after single. Of yeah, it felt more like a world rather than just a arbitrary collection of tracks. And part of that, I mean, I think a lot of really great cohesive creativity comes from limitations. So trying to use like a similar sound palette across multiple projects and like using the same gear across multiple projects and the same patches. And rather than trying to, you know, create the universe from scratch every time I started something sort of like having uh, like a kit, all ready to go and Mm -hmm. then being like, well, how can I freak this in a different way and make something that's related but different from what I've been doing with it already? Cool. Yeah, well, so uh, we've got the listening party tomorrow. Uh, Again, that kicks off at about 7. We'll have the Roundhouse crew in there uh, doing their thing. Remind me, or me and the audience, rather, uh, all the different folks that are featured in tomorrow's listening party. Yeah, so there's going to be four uh, short beat sets that are going to start the night off. Um, you mentioned Jill. Yeah, Jill is doing one. Um, for those that aren't familiar, Jill is an insanely talented multi-instrumentalist, composer, producer, teacher. Um, and I don't even know what she's cooking up, but it's going to be wild. I will guarantee you that. And then Trandall... Of course, pillar of Roundhouse, um, super dope producer. Yeah, um, his his album last year was. Uh, I mean, I'd seen him play live before, um, but he was another person that kind of sat on a lot of material for a while. I feel like, and for him to put out, it was twenty plus tracks on that album. I think um, that was yeah. the first. That was the first Roundhouse release mm-hmm. as as a label. Um, it seemed appropriate. I mean, he. Yeah, his his star is certainly rising. I really like uh, how much he's grown in the last few years, and and also uh, a product of of Dirty Durham as well. Um, and he's got a really interesting style because he'll go pretty much anywhere from like Dilla style head nod, boom bap type of things to like drum and bass footwork, mm-hmm. just like freak out. But it's all. They, it all ties together. Yeah. So there will be like crazy footwork rhythms, but with like young chop snares and trap hi-hats. And yeah, just super creative and like always moving forward. Um, and then um, we got Ebbs, who just played at the Runaway Two Year. Um, Roundhouse Two Year. The Roundhouse Two Year. 
y'all got to come up with like not <laughs> names that start with the same letters. It's really confusing for me. Uh, yeah, Ebbs is a super dope producer and artist and vocalist. Um, she just comes with some really hard beats and she raps too. Um, Tight. And uh, actually Nick from uh, Roundhouse, um, who is also a, a producer in addition to being an integral part of that crew and label, he's, his stuff is under the name Gappa, Gappa Mighty. Um, he was like, oh, you should, you should check out Hebs. Um, and I actually went to the uh, Mbala release show, yeah, but I got motor, there like yeah. a second too late and I missed Ebbs' set and then checked her SoundCloud and I was like, oh, this is fire. Um, and then the fourth is uh, Jumba, who's another producer who's uh, worked a lot with Roundhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely he, remember seeing... Uh, I guess a couple different times, I think. Yeah. Um, shows, uh, from Jumba. So yeah, excited to have the four of you guys, five of you guys. Yeah. And then I'm sure, uh, I mean, I know, uh, there'll be other roundhouse people or, uh, around house to yes, play. Yeah. <laughs> to when play they sit around the well. house. So they sit, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So again, really excited about that. Really excited to hear the full project. Glad that it's finally coming to fruition, um, and excited to see see what uh, what you're doing next. And this project is out through the Roundhouse label, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's correct. So you can listen to that. You can buy that uh, on basically every platform known to humankind. Um, I can they get it on a track? Yeah, no. I'm afraid that 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 technology is lost. To I'm out. Time. Then I'm out. Yeah, sorry. I'll burn you a CD. Okay, um, I'll take it. But if you want to go buy that on Bandcamp, that's cool for me financially. Um, really cool for everybody. Yeah, it's support great. your local artists. Def- your local all, all your favorite file formats, um, and you know it also supports the label too, mm-hmm. which is great. Roundhouse has done like immeasurably positive work for just music in like beyond Durham, just in the triangle and in North Carolina and just creating a space for people to come together and nerd out over some music. That's really uh, beautiful and kind of rare too. No doubt. All right. Well, we're going to cut it here. That's been a special edition of the rundown on the runaway podcast network. Again, if you like this show, please leave a rate and review. Uh, we'll give you some nice fidget spinner sounds. Just listen to the soothing, uh, in your ear. The soothing ASMR fidget spinner sounds. Uh, check out super empty as well. Also on the runaway podcast network. Uh, our last episode, we talked to Eric Tullis, uh, the legendary Eric Tullis, Legend. Uh, hip-hop writer, Icon. Uh, always has uh, a hot take uh, worth diving into. So uh, check that episode out, uh, again, also on the Runaway Podcast Network. And we'll be back again uh, recording on Sunday with your usual host, Mandy Padgett, and myself uh, to give you the next week's rundown. We'll see you next time. Thanks again, Patrick, Thanks for, being for listening. Be safe. Tell people you love them. True Peace. City 2018. Peace out. Peace.